Be seated, please. Amen. Uh, wonderful singing this morning, even though we are uh, somewhat limited in our crowd. Uh, you guys sang out well, and we appreciate that very, very much. As I began uh, back in January, uh, really back November and December, started thinking about what we were going to talk about this year, as we've already been doing so, the great cloud of witnesses. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. And so we've talked about studying, we've talked about revival, kind of to begin that section, studying and prayer and fasting. And as I was preparing for uh, this one, uh, this date was supposed to be on giving. And so as uh, I prepared earlier in the week, before I knew there was going to be a change to our services, I'd already laid out what I wanted to talk about. And it really revolved around a question that uh, Bransley asked me uh, a couple of, uh, actually at the beginning of the week. She said, can we really give to God? And it's, a, it's kind of an interesting question for us to think about. She said, how, do, how does he actually get that? And so she's actually watching right now at home, uh, so she's probably embarrassed that I even brought that up. But she, she asked that question, and, uh, and I said, well, that's something that I'm going to talk about, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But as the week went along, I, I thought about how does that go along with what we're thinking right now, because I know everyone's hearts and everyone's minds are, are on what's going on with the virus and what's going on around the world and, and how so many people are being upset by this. And as I looked over what I had already outlined, I thought it actually applies very well, because we're going to kind of see it from two angles, one from sort of the progression of how giving happens in our lives. And two, we're going to notice that that progression also could include what we're going through right now. The first thing that I thought about when, when I was thinking on giving was that we have to really start with giving God our attention. It starts there, doesn't it? I can't really, I'm not going to give anything to God. I'm not going to give my money like we did just a few moments ago if I haven't first started with giving him my attention. And really, that's where it all starts in giving him our faith and coming to Christ to, at the very beginning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, the, the church, uh, this, this idea of Christianity wouldn't have spread so quickly had it not been for people giving attention. They first had to listen. We know what Romans 10, 17 says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We know that that's where it begins. That's where it starts. And so that's where faith as a whole begins. Anything else that we do starts with giving God our attention. And we talked about that with study, of course, as, as part of that. Looking at the Scripture, knowing what the Scripture says and listening to it. But when it comes to things like we're going through right now, it's, it's really important that we give God our attention as well. Because as the world is beginning to inundate us with all this information, a lot of false information gets shared on Facebook. And that's why I said earlier, I, I've kind of made it a tendency, if it's not a doctor, if it's not the CDC, I'm, I'm not going to look at it with, with quite as much attention. Because they know what they're dealing with, and they've seen it, and they understand the things that are going on. But when it comes to just panic and fear and all of the other things that we face when it comes to these sorts of things. We need to give God our attention. We need to listen to Him. We need to know what He says and, and what He tells us is, is where we can find true comfort. Someone mentioned 
uh, on Facebook, David Wilhelm, the, the son of, of Jack Wilhelm, our, our brother that was here for so long. Uh, David mentioned that God first was a God of quarantine. Sometimes we're like, I don't, I don't want to be away, and I'm not sure that we can go hide in our homes and that sort of thing. And I get that. There's a certain part of life that does continue. But there's an interesting thing that we need to know, and that is that God believed in quarantine way back in the beginning. Numbers, uh, there's a couple of passages you can read through, but there's about 16 places in Numbers and in Leviticus where God tells the people to quarantine themselves. There's a time and there's a place for that when you're unsure about what's going on. Certain people, certain communities, and whatnot have to do that on occasion. So listen to God. It's not that, that we need to be running in fear, but we need to be very careful. And we want to take care of the people around us who are struggling and those who may uh, have lower immune systems. You know, as we think about this, I couldn't help but think of 2 Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings chapter 5, you see Naaman who comes to God. And, you know, sometimes we look at God's ways and God's words as, well, we're just not real sure about that. At least some people do. I know we don't. I don't think that most of you look at God's Word and go, I'm not, I'm not sure that I want to follow that. But in 2 Kings 5, we have an example of a man named Naaman who, who comes to God or God's, uh, a man of God, Elisha, to be healed. And when he's told by Elisha uh, what to do, which is, I want you to go, and he's really told by Elisha's servant, go and dip seven times in the Jordan, he's afraid to do that. Or he's not afraid of it. He just thinks it's kind of dumb. I don't like that answer. I don't want to do what you've told me to do. And so he rejects it at first, and finally his servant reminds him, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. We just need to give God our attention, and, and not just for the things that we want and the things that we desire, but for the things that we know he understands more than us. And so when we're going through fear, know that he tells us and he calms us in those storms. He took the man who was in the tombs, and he calmed the storm in his life right after he calmed the storm on the sea. Give God our attention. Give God your heart is the second part. You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I don't know that doesn't have to do necessarily with giving, but when your heart is tuned to God, then all the rest of the spiritual disciplines are more inclined to follow. You see, when I'm tuned to God, I want to hear what he has to say. And when I'm tuned to God, I want to tell him about what I'm struggling with in prayer. And when I'm tuned to God, I will desire, as we talked about last week, to fast and to grow closer to him. And when I'm tuned to God, I will desire to give him my attention. And I'll desire to give him my heart. And see, in light of the recent corona outbreak, the storms that we've been through, even last week or week before with the tornadoes in Tennessee, let me remind you of a simple passage that's found in Proverbs 3. It speaks more wisdom than I could in this time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It'll be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Trust in the Lord with all your what? With all your heart. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
See, in certain uncertain times, give him your attention and then give him your heart. When you're looking for a change in your life, give him your attention and give him your heart and he can show you the way to that change. And then as we progress from your attention to your heart to then giving God your energy, when it comes to our energy, what are we talking about exactly? You see, you listen to him how he tells you to be saved and how to live. He, he, he gives you, uh, we give him, him our hearts and Jesus makes it new. And then you take and you give him your energy in spending your time in doing the things that God has called you to do and really making some amazing changes. Think about how Jesus talked to his disciples in Matthew 14 about feeding the 5,000. You know, he gave them the opportunity. Hey, what should we do here? Well, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food to feed all of these people. And Jesus reminded them, oh, we can take care of that. Jesus reminded them that he has the power to help when we just turn over whatever it is. And this little boy turns over five loaves and two fish. And when he does so, God takes it and does amazing things with it. In, Luke, in John chapter 2, when Jesus goes to the wedding feast and he turns the water to wine, he takes whatever is there and he makes amazing things out of it. And God will take your energy, whatever it is, Whatever that is that you have, whatever that talent is that you have, and he will do amazing things with it. You see, some people think Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night are all that we have to give. And then some people, and when I was a kid, I, I kind of thought the litmus test for faithful was whether or not you attended church regularly. But you know, I think faithfulness goes way beyond that. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying that there are plenty of people who are faithful to attend services, but maybe never give God their time and their energy outside of services. And there's certainly a lot of people who, for health reasons or other reasons, are unable to be at services. Even some didn't make it today because of everything. Uh, they were spending their time yesterday making sure people were taken care of. The Lord's Supper was delivered for those who were going to watch online. And so maybe there's people who aren't able to always be here but they're faithful to call, they're faithful to encourage, they're faithful to help people who are going through different things. Give God not only your time on Sunday morning, not only your time on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, and by the way, we're not going to be having those two this week, but when we do, give Him more than that. Give Him your time during the week. Give Him your time to help those around you, especially right now that are going through these difficult times. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he reminds us we're saved by grace through faith in the verses before. But in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are his, do you know what he says? Workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. So where are you spending your energy? Where are you spending your time in, in, in service to God or in service to other things? And then finally, when we've, God, his, uh, we've listened to him, we've given him our attention, and we've given him our heart, and we've given him our energy. Then there's a, that's when we really start tuning ourselves to giving him our possessions. And that sounds like an, an odd request, doesn't it? But it's not really. As you look through the scripture, and you think about that question, how do we give to God? It's a valid question. 
It's dropped in the collection plate, and it's counted, and it's separated by several people, and it's deposited into the church account. And what does it do? What does it do after that? Well, we know it does a lot of things. Of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 9 through 12 talks about that it is something that we can do to pay the church staff and those people who work and labor within the church. That's usually where our minds go first. And when we start talking about giving, you go, ah, oh, the preacher's going to talk about giving again because he wants to raise. That's not it, okay? But it is important because that's not all. That's not all we do. That's not all we do with it. What it does is it ensures that you are being taught on a weekly basis that the work of the local church can continue. It pays for the lights, for the heating units and, and cooling units. It pays for the building that we're able to worship in. It helps with outreach, both of things internal within the church, uh, also those things that we may do outside in the community. It buys supplies for the teachers. It helps to buy food for the hungry. It supports missionaries. It helps with those who are less fortunate of our number and beyond. It buys meals for people on occasion, and it might buy clothes for someone who may be in need. And those are just a few things. There's a lot of other things that happens when you give on Sunday mornings. Yes, God doesn't actually handle the money, but God's work is benefited because of what you give. And I don't think that that's way out of proportion of what we see in the Scripture. In fact, it's right in line with it. Matthew chapter 25, if you remember, when Jesus talks about those people who are coming into the kingdom. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you came to see me. All those works and those things were done by those who were faithful Christians, those who were not able to enter into eternity. He says, you didn't do those things. You weren't taking care of me. And so part of giving to God is giving to the people around us who are in need. That has some pretty big implications for right now, doesn't it? The people around us that are hurting, the people around us who are sick, the people around us who are in need, we need to figure out ways to help them. I've seen people this week offering to bring food to people's door. I've seen people offering and, and bringing the Lord's Supper to people who were not going to be able to be here for our services. I've seen people offering the service of keeping kids for others, so because they have to go to work anyway and the schools are going to be closing down. There's a lot of different ways that we can help and we can support and we can encourage people. See, the people in the first century in Acts chapter 2, right after this great uh, conversion of all of these people, there's a lot of people in Jerusalem who don't normally live there and they don't have a lot of stuff to stay around, but they're wanting to learn more. And so in verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were common, and they had all things common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. So day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were praising God. They were having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. You see, when they were helping one another and getting one another through this time, it was growing the church. There's a couple of different times in the world when there's been major plagues. 
And as I was looking over this, and I've studied this some in the past, some of those, like the plague of Cyprian in the third century, it was similar to Ebola, and it set off a crisis. It triggered explosive growth, though, in the church. He was a bishop who's given the account of the disease, and that's why it's named after him. And in his sermons, he told them not to grieve for the dead because they are in heaven, but rather to redouble their efforts to care for the living. And as a result, the church grew. A century later, the pagan emperor Julian complained how the Galilean would care for even non-Christian sick people. They wrote that God was done to uh, all me- good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. Even pagans looked back at what was happening and said the Christians were making a big impact on society. In 1527, the bubonic plague hit Wittenberg, and Martin Luther refused to leave. He continued to minister to the sick. His daughter even died as a result. But his resolve was clear. He said, we die at our posts. Christian doctors can't give up taking care of the sick. Christian governors cannot abandon their district. Preachers cannot abandon their congregations in their time of need. Wouldn't it be great if we looked back at this time in our world and said that Christianity grew as a result of even the bad things that we're facing? Even this time when it's difficult, that Christianity grows because we take care of one another, we look out for one another, and we help one another. See, as long as we give Him our attention, and we give Him our heart, and we give Him our energy, it seems that everything else, the giving of our possessions, the giving of our money, will follow with it. We've got to first start with listening to Him. Have you listened to God? Have you given Him your life? Have you told Him that you're going to be Lord of my life? Been buried in baptism with Him to walk in newness of life? Have you given Him your heart in that way? And if so, are you now giving Him your attention, your time, your energy? And are you giving Him the things that He can use for His kingdom? You see, we all have a chance to give. And I hope that as we continue uh, to go through these difficult times this week, next week, however long it takes, that we continue to remember our, our commitment to Him and our dedication to the Lord. If we can assist you in some way this morning, won't you come as we stand and as we sing. Jesus, I surrender all to Him.